Good morning. I'm so excited to be here with you guys again today. Um, if I haven't met you, my name is Carissa. I think I've met most of you in this room. Um, I just called our worship leader by the wrong name, so that's my introduction to the awkward fact that I don't remember names. So if you want to introduce yourself like for the fifth time, that's probably fine. Um, but yeah, sorry about that. But if I haven't met you, I would love to meet you. Um, and I would love to get to know you. Um, last week, we looked at Isaiah 61, specifically the first few verses, um, in which we are given this beautiful message that God's, God's desire is to set us free. And not only does he desire this, but he incarnated himself as Jesus in order to do that for us. And we talked about the reality that in our lives and our community, and throughout history, God has invited us into the freeing process of deconstruction in order to tear down the walls that keep us enslaved to things that bring destruction. This week, we're going to continue to pull out some of the beautiful things found in the cha that chapter of Isaiah because deconstruction is only the first part of the story. And while tearing down those imprisoned walls is a lifelong process, it's not complete without the second part of that. Um, it doesn't lead us where we long to be without what comes after deconstruction, reconstruction, rebuilding. That uh, starting in verse 4 in Isaiah, Isaiah tells us, they will rebuild the ancient ruins, restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. When I was preparing for this morning, I started thinking about some of the stories of devastation that I've experienced and that we've experienced in our lifetime. And I was thinking about, like, along the lines of um, tearing down, and I was thinking about, like, some of the natural disasters and some of the things that happened to communities. The first thing that came to mind was a pretty recent thing. It was a fire in the great cathedral of Notre Dame. How many of you saw an image like this pop up on your social media that day? Yeah, that was really shocking. I visited Germany and France several years ago and had the incredible privilege while I was in France, in Paris, of touring the Cathedral Notre Dame. And I was in the middle of reading Les Miserables, and I had recently read The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and it was just amazing to be, like, in this physical place that had that was so ancient and been around for so long and featured in classic literature. And when I heard that it was burning, I just felt this great sense of loss, that something that meant so much to their community, to that community and that culture and our world in general, was being destroyed. The next thing that came to my mind was probably the greatest natural disaster most of us have witnessed, the, the Hurricane Katrina. Um, None of us will ever forget the despair, anger, and fear, and the horror as we watch so many people's homes and lives be destroyed. So many people lost their lives. And then the suffering afterward as people waited for relief um, after they lost everything and were trapped um, in the, the places they were going to, to shelter without any supplies. My husband, John, actually went down to New Orleans after the, um, after the hurricane, and he would never forget, like, the firsthand experience and the emotions of seeing that destruction. And of course, we here in Nebraska, more recently, 
are, we are currently counting the cost of the widespread flooding that hit us this spring. Um, a lot of us know people or related to people who lost things during the flood and really the long-term effects of that are still, we're still waiting to see like how that's gonna affect our economy and that's how, how that's gonna affect prices and, and crop production and all of those things. Um, and then even closer to home, many of you were here at the Mosaic Gathering on May 5th when we were really excited about eating tacos and instead we got to explore the Lincoln High Basement while a tornado hit the southwest side of Lincoln and it was really crazy um, starting to hear reports about a possible touchdown. And then pretty soon we start seeing photos pop up of the famous and longstanding dairy freeze by Pioneers Park being completely devastated. They reportedly had the best like lemon ice cream freeze stuff ever. Yeah, and I unfortunately never had it. So I lost my chance of ever experiencing that before the tornado took them out. As I thought about these disasters, these things that happen, I realized whenever I'm hearing about this stuff, when news is coming in and I'm waiting to hear what happened and how much loss there is, there's always one phrase I'm looking for from reporters or politicians, community leaders, business leaders, as I hear about these things. I'm looking for the phrase, we will rebuild. That phrase always creates a complicated swirl of emotions in me because um, those of us who grew up in the Midwest, like, we've all experienced, like, what it's like to pick up after a big storm, a tornado, or something like that. There's so much work involved, and it can be really, really expensive, but at the same time, there's so much hope there because what that phrase, we will rebuild, tells us is that there's something there that is worthwhile, there's something worth all the blood, sweat, and tears that goes into remaining in the mess and making something good out of it. We rebuild on top of ruins because the thing we inherited or created, that thing is worth it. There is no declaration of greater value for a place or an institution or a relationship than the statement, we will rebuild. So we see that not only with, with physical buildings and natural disasters, but whenever someone faces hurt or harm or the destruction of something worthwhile, a community, an institution, a relationship, we will rebuild. Tells us that there's something there worth salvaging. Mosaic, we stand in a position of incredible power. We stand as part of a generation that sees and acknowledges the destitution that comes from empty and harmful religion. We stand upon the experience of thousands of years of Jesus followers, able to use the privilege of hindsight to see where we've gone wrong and where we've made mistakes. Where the church has done a disservice to the world, where we have brought condemnation instead of healing, rhetoric instead of words of life, and a lust for power instead of service. We stand between the good we know exists in the body of Christ and a broken and hurting world, and we can declare we will rebuild. We will rebuild a declaration of God that truly reflects Jesus, the revelation of God. We will rebuild a community that welcomes and serves. We at Mosaic are only one small drop in the ocean of Jesus' followers, but we have unique privilege in our city 
of representing the hope and value God places on a relationship with every human soul. We will rebuild. Now, before I go any further, I want to make sure that my words are not mistaken for throwing the baby out with the bathwater, as the saying goes. Admitting that as followers of Christ, we have individually and collectively made mistakes is not a condemnation of the church. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's a statement of value that we, what we have been given by those who have gone before us, and most recently by our parents and our grandparents, whoever introduced us to the Christian faith, is valuable. It's worth holding on to. So much value that you guys are here this morning. I know for a lot of you gone through experiences that made even attending church an act of courage. And many of us have been so devastated by spiritual experiences or religion that continuing to have faith in God has been a difficult choice that required dedication. But you held on to it. We have held on to it because we believe it's worth it. The history and legacy of the church is worth embracing. Just think about this. Without the church, without all of those Jesus followers throughout the generations that came before us, you and I, on the other side of the world, of a completely different race and ethnicity, would never know about a poor Galilean carpenter and his life, death, and resurrection. It's only because of the church that we have met Jesus and experiences his life and his love and his healing. And after Jesus' ascension and ever since, his followers have been wrestling with teachings and communing with the Spirit and bringing us truth and life from his teachings, life and heart. We owe our predecessors everything, and what they have passed on to us is worth cherishing, nurturing, and passing on to the next generation. But there are ruins. And if you've ever doubted that, just ask someone who's left the church. Or probably ask the person sitting next to you. Because they've probably had negative experiences that have impacted them. We have inherited something good, but there are parts of it that have been broken. When Isaiah was inspired to speak words of hope to the Israeli captives, he used the language we often hear after disasters and destruction. We will rebuild. The homes and farms and cities that the tribe of Israel had built in the Middle East had been destroyed by war and left empty and in crumbles. But God wasn't done with them. He, through his prophet, promised these enslaved people that their legacy was secure, intact, and worth returning to, and that they would return. He promised they would rebuild ruins that had been left desolate for generations, and they would once again thrive and grow and rejoice within their identity as God's beloved people. As a young teen, I had received the teachings about God passed down to me from my grandparents and my parents. I eagerly accepted the legacy that they gave to me. And it wasn't until I began suffering from depression and anxiety because of what I'd been taught and my family began to fall apart that I realized there were threads of destruction that had been handed down for generations. It wasn't just mistakes my parents had made. It was things that they had been taught by their parents and things they had been taught within the community of Bible followers that they had come from. As I began my journey of deconstruction, I started visiting different church congregations and denominations and researching theology and devouring writings from Christian leaders both in the past and in the present. And what I had found was a huge sense of relief because there were people who have found healing for their heartache all throughout the history of the church. And the stream of Christian thought is wide enough to contain both our questions and the comfort that we're looking for. 
But I also found there are ruins that have been passed down throughout generations, handed down from one to the next. There are destructive teachings about God's nature and heart towards humans that permeate religion and have driven people away from Jesus and the body of Christ. In my mid-twenties, I traveled with a good friend to a huge outdoor Christian festival in North Carolina. This festival meets every year. It's called the Wild Goose Festival, based on an ancient, I think it's like an Irish tradition of calling the Holy Spirit Wild Goose. Um, But they host workshops run by international writers and speakers. They have a music festival aspect, um, food trucks, local brewer tents. It's basically, I think we're getting some rain. That's nice. I didn't water my grass yesterday. So I'm happy about that. Uh, <laughs> it's a little distracting. Um, music festival, food trucks, local brewer tents. It's basically mosaic in a festival. So you guys will probably all love it. Um, I was just a few years into my deconstruction journey. So going there as a young Midwestern girl, it blew my mind. <laughs> But it was this amazing um, atmosphere that really embraced me with all my questions and all my hang-ups, all my doubts about where they were, where I had come from, all the things I was dealing with. It was in that vibrant environment that God spoke to me and placed one of the callings that he has placed upon my life. I was sitting in a workshop led by a former pastor who was sharing about the hurt and burnout he experienced in the church and his spiritual journey since then. And there was just this air of this heavy air of sorrow over the whole group of people there. Um, a lot of people had experienced similar things. And when the open discussion question time came, I stood up. And that was pretty bold for a young girl who had been taught that women shouldn't speak in religious settings. But I can still remember the surge of joy and hope that lit me up from inside. As I said, we, ha- we I think, have a unique privilege as those who have been hurt by the church but haven't rejected God. We can stand in the gap and tell those who are, whose hurt has driven them away from faith, I understand. I'm sorry you experienced that. It shouldn't have happened. Your hurt is valid. And there's healing and hope. God loves you. Have you ever had one of those moments where you know what you said was just the right thing? Like, that's maybe happened, like, twice in my life. Usually it's the opposite, where you're just like, ah, that came out wrong. But that was one of those moments where the words that God had given me in that moment were just right, and I could feel the atmosphere lift in that group of people. The reaction was a current of hope through our souls, and I felt God speak to me, this is who you are. You're not broken not enslaved or in fear. You are a woman on fire. The Lord has sent me to preach good news to the poor. Mosaic, whether you have ever had this thought or not, the Spirit is here today to tell you the same thing. Your name is not broken. Your name is not enslaved or fearful. You are a soul on fire. You possess within your journey the seeds of great victory, and hope, of renewed life to share with the world. We are a community on fire, on fire with the love and healing and incredible abundant life of the Father, Son, and Spirit. We are privileged and commissioned with the vocation of rebuilding ancient ruins in our own personal faith journeys and as a community of faith within the church for those who have been lost, hurt, and in exile. 
Mosaic, today I celebrate with you a statement of value and hope. God has never left his people. And we are invited to join the work of the Spirit of rebuilding ancient ruins of faith and reconstructing broken places for a hurting and homeless world. We are commissioned with the life-giving task of reconstruction. We are commissioned with a life-giving task of reconstruction. Reconstruction doesn't mean disregarding our spiritual heritage or disposing of the work of the people of God who have gone before us. Rather, it means an emphatic statement of value for what we have received and the commitment to repair the places where it has been broken. Reconstruction means continually seeking the Spirit, discussing with other followers of Jesus, seeking out wisdom from teachers and writers who share this faith journey with us, and wrestling through the ashes and mud and pain of whatever wounds us, whatever doesn't sit right with our spirits, whatever we've received or heard, or when we read something that we're just like, that that just feels wrong, that doesn't feel like God, that doesn't seem like what I've heard or what I see in Jesus. To find the strong foundation underneath that, that we can use to build a shelter for our souls and for the souls of those who come after us. Reconstruction is a holy calling. Reconstruction is a holy calling. It's something we face with both humility and confidence. Humility, knowing we are never going to get everything right. And those who come after us will have to improve upon what we leave for them. Humility, knowing those who came before us earned their convictions. They should not be lightly thrown aside. Um, but also confidence, believing that through the ongoing work of the Spirit, we matter in the story of God. Confidence, knowing our hurt can be used to bring healing to others in our community. Confidence, knowing that God chooses the humble and blesses the poor in spirit to see his heart. That our questions matter. And more than that, that there are answers to those questions. And as individuals and a community, if we, accept, if we accept the challenge of joining in God's work of rebuilding ancient ruins, we can have an impact of life, freedom, and healing for a hurting world. We are commissioned with a life-giving task of reconstruction. How does that work? What does that look like in our daily lives? Well, this journey I feel like I've just started on, so I definitely don't have all the answers, but I think through reading and observing those who I, who I see doing well, who I see reflecting the heart of Christ, there are some principles that we can pull out and apply to our own experience as a community and as individuals. So that first, the first point I think is we reconstruct in community. Just like we are not meant to deconstruct and tear down those walls that imprison us alone, Without a spiritual family, we are, meant, we are not meant to reconstruct alone either. We're meant to do that in the company of our brothers and sisters. This principle is, if possible, even more important in reconstruction and rebuilding. Because we're human and we're prone to mistakes and biases and blind spots. So it's vitally important to do this task together. I said last week that your doubts and your questions are welcome here. And that is very true. And so are your ideas. Your what-ifs, your discoveries in your faith journey. Bring these things to the table. Share them with us. Accept the wisdom and the love of those in community journeying with us. Number two, we reconstruct with humility. I know I already mentioned this, but I think it's important enough to say again, the people who are rebuilding the Cathedral Notre Dame are doing it with information 
expertise and artistic vision of those who came before them. And we must do the same. As we repair broken things in our faith, we must draw upon the wisdom and the experience of those who have journeyed before us. Sometimes if we grew up in a narrow theology, we don't even know where to start with this. Like, where do I find this wisdom from the past? Because I was never exposed to it. And I was in that place once, and it can be really frustrating. Um, I'd encourage you to talk with any of the leaders here about some podcasts or books or um, YouTube channels even, things where you can find some teachers and theologians, um, authors or speakers who might be able to assist you in your reconstruction journey. Number three, we reconstruct with hope. We have the incredible hope that no matter how much or how little progress we make, either personally or as a community, Christ is at work in the world. It doesn't all depend on us, thankfully. And after we are gone, even if we mess it all up, Christ will be at work wooing humanity along on our journey out of darkness and into healing. So our efforts are towards something permanent and good. And however much or how little we contribute, we get to be part of the grand story of reconstruction that began in the Garden of Eden and will find its completion in the healing of all things. Often why I'm overwhelmed by corrupt politics or national disasters, um, the suffering of humanity, hunger, disease, most recent bombings, the poverty I see in my own city, I comfort myself with the words of the old song, this is my father's world. As we prepare to end our time together this morning, as we enter our everyday worlds and continue our deconstruction and reconstruction journeys, I invite you to absorb these words. This is my father's world. Let me ne'er forget that though the wrongs seem off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world. The battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied, and earth and heaven be one. This is my Father's world. Why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king. Let the heavens ring. God reigns. Let the earth be glad. My brothers and sisters, We are commissioned with the life-giving work of reconstruction. We have arrived here in this time with our own unique paths by the grace of God who makes beauty from pain, sets prisoners' feet free, and rebuilds ancient ruins. As the worship team prepares to lead us in the last song, I invite you to stand with me and pray. Dear Father, Thank you so much, not only for bringing healing to our brokenness and helping us to dismantle things that have held us in prison, but also for giving us this job, this incredible, overwhelming, lifelong job of rebuilding something from the foundation that we have been given to provide a place for us to thrive and also to invite those around us into. And as we go into this week, God, I pray that you would help us see you at work around us in our lives, that you would help us to see your blessing, your attention on us, and that you would help us to invite other people into this journey of discovery of your love. 